Good evening, Monadnock Region, and welcome to another fine episode of Gomo Tonight, the Monadnock Region's only locally focused weekly comedy podcast. I'm here in what we love to call the Space Lounge as your host, Christy Loretto, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Zoe Roten-Heinzman. And we'd like to welcome you to episode number 42, 43, um, really? whatever episode this one is. Wow. Um, 43. Yeah, 43. We're, we're past the one-year mark on this podcast. Um, you know, we don't have 52 for 52 weeks. Although, if you added up all of the bonus episodes, we'd be close. We'd be closer. Anyways, we'd be closer to 50 at this point. Um, yeah, but we've skipped a week here or there. But, like, honestly, yeah. that's, that's pretty regular um, for anything we've ever tried before in this regard, you know? Yeah. so. Thanks for those of you who have, um, we have a very, very steady, um, audience that, that has, that has stuck around, you know, there's some episodes that are, uh, perhaps a little more exciting to people than others, but, um, the baseline always remains the same. And so those of you who are part of that baseline, we really want to thank you. And that's, um, you know, that's always been what we've been going for on this program it's um it's it's what i like to call the the morning joe strategy um because the approach of that morning program has never been to win the ratings in the morning it's just been to like have the people of a certain political class in washington dc and new york city watch the show which they've always succeeded at doing and that's how we see this is we would just like the the best of you um, to to be around, and that's and that's what I think that we have. We're recording this on um, Veterans Day. Actually, it's unusual We're recording on a Friday. We I don't know if we've ever recorded on a Friday before. This is eleven eleven. Seriously, um, got it. There's like a monsoon outside right now. I, I believe it's actually a remnants of tropical storm, former Hurricane Nicole, or the beginning of the remnants. Um, mm come up come up the east coast and it's uh it's raining pretty hard it's going to do that all weekend it's also like 65 degrees um which is interesting i was just out driving in it though and it's it's pretty rough it's like it's like fog rising up and then like you know the torrential rain will come for a while and like sometimes it'll like rise up to like half an inch on the road and then like you know those moments when like you especially if you don't have your high beams on because there's other cars when there's like just that like thin layer of water on the road and it's raining and it's dark. Right. And we don't believe in streetlights in New Hampshire and you can't see the lines, you know, like the whole road is kind of reflective, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. of the, the water that's on it. And like, you're like, Oh shit. Like there's no, you know, I mean, I hate that. I hate that. Um, I, when I was in, <laughs> uh, where the hell was I? Oh, when I went to Old Sturbridge Village last weekend, I was driving on some great central Massachusetts highways where, like, you know, people drive very fast. And you just, it was daytime at the time, but I was just admiring, like, streetlight, streetlight, streetlight. I'm like, look at this. That's how you know you're in civilization, is if the highway has <laughs> lights on it, you know, so that people can see at night. Uh, I well, miss that. My brother, uh, went to grad school at uh at dartmouth which is like way out in the middle of way nowhere up. new hampshire yeah. like as you know um and he had a friend who was like he had a friend who was his roommate 
but who was not going to school there, who was just like also a transplant from South Carolina. And we were talking one day and he was like, man, I just never use my high beams. Like, what are those even for? And I'm looking at him like, you live in Hanover, New Hampshire. Like, how do you, how do you drive on 89 without your high, like this (laughs) highway that leads to you requires high beams. Right. Just to like function right. on the highway. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't understand that at all. <laughs> he just must not have done a lot of driving around, but yeah. Yeah. Seriously. That was, that was wild. The first time I ever drove up there. Cause I lived in Boston and I mm-hmm. went up there to visit him. Yeah. Like, right. Where, Where they light things. This place? Like- they things very well lit all the time. Uh, I always used to find that actually very magical because like, you know, I mean, growing up in Townsend, like there's, you know, I mean, they're granted driving down main street in Townsend, which is route One Nineteen, which in New Hampshire is not illuminated in Townsend. Like mo- th- it's, it's like a six mile stretch and most of it is illuminated. Um, huh. There's pretty regular street lights throughout the entire town. Right. But is um, there like a state line? swap over or is it more gradual than that it's a little more gradual than that because as you continue following 119 you get into ashby and ashburn ham um ashburn ham is the town where mount watetic is the end of the wapak range and those towns don't really have a lot of lights uh, ashby does downtown right right in a very small stretch you know um which 119 runs through but once you get once you get out of that though um darkness so there is there is a buffer. Hmm. And then you get into Ringe and you know definitely no lights there. But when like both of my grandmothers always lived right outside of Boston, you know, so that was a memory of mine as a kid going to visit family was it, I always really liked like leaving at night in in this like super illuminated place, you know, like like we would leave you know, say Christmas Eve or something at 10 o'clock. And like, yeah, I mean, in Townsend, there's streetlights, but it's pretty dark, you know? But this is just like, it's like Melrose is bright, you know? Everett is bright. And like, you come out and you're, you know, driving down the highways and it's like light after light. I don't know. I found it exciting and uh, magical. Hmm. Like Christmas lights, but all year round. Yeah, basically. That's kind of how I felt about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like speaking of family, I was driving in the monsoon because I was down in Townsend visiting my brother and his husband who are visiting from Arkansas. They weren't there. Um, you were visiting them, but they weren't there. I was visiting them, but they weren't there. So they, they were absent, but their kids, um, Darren and Kate and my nephews were there and my sister and her boyfriend were there. And so that was all cool. Um, but Everybody was, you know, watching um, Home Alone 2. And so there was a, you know, like a 90s um, kind of thing going on, you know. And um, one of the kids, my dad had to ask him to stop, had a water bottle, a, you know, a 2022 water bottle, right? And he's crinkling it and it's like making that noise, you know, Um, which is like seriously one of my least favorite sounds. And like even like Manny sat up and he was like, Dad, that's your it's like your worst nightmare what he's doing right now you know because i have said it so many times like it'll be it's always like in it's always in the car too like when we're driving back from someplace and like we given them 
water, you know, as, as parents do sometimes. And sometimes it's not in a reusable container, unfortunately. And they'll finish the water and they'll just be like, and like, I'm driving and I'm like, oh, you know, um, and I, I hate it, you know, but I took the opportunity to educate my nephews as a good uncle would right? about listen, kids, like in the time that this movie was made, right? And in the time of my youth, when we were at the pinnacle of civilization, right? The water bottles were made of better plastic than that. You couldn't crinkle them. And I happen to have one of these bougie water bottles um, of mine. This is, they got 90s plastic if you pay a couple extra bucks for the smart water, um, not to be a shill here. Um, but this is what all the plastic, everything, all the soda, all the water. Ah, oh, man, you can't crinkle this. You can pop it a little bit. You know, you can, you can make some noise if you try really hard, but you can't fucking crunch this in your hands because, man, this is, this is the plastic that you want. Um, and that's like a small part of the reason that I even buy these ridiculously expensive water things. Um, I actually got hooked. It's, it's a little dangerous um, to, to even try these things. Like, so I had been on Peterborough town water for like seven years um, and always liked it uh, before we moved to this house where we have a well. Right. And now um, Zoe lives about a mile down the road, um, also in, in this neighborhood that we've come to start calling Lorian, right? Um, but she's on the town water, and I got the well, right? And I, you know, I moved in here, and I was like, yeah, you know, well water's pretty good. I, you know, I dig it, or whatever. And um, her daughter would come over, and she's like, your water blows. Like, no, she didn't say that, but that this, she doesn't talk like that. But, she doesn't um, say blows, but that is sweet If you haven't met her, but she was just like, this, like, she, this is not, she rejected it completely. And she's like, this is not as good as the water at our house or your old house. And, <laughs> you know, I was kind of like, I don't know. I think it tastes fine. What are you talking about? And then one day I go and I'm at Shaw's and I buy a couple of these. Half as a joke, half as a joke. I'm like, look at this ridiculous alkaline water, you know, whatever. It's pH balanced. It's got some electrolytes, you know, and, you know, certain. Like, ah, oh, God damn, that's good water. And like, you know, it's a struggle for me to drink enough water in general. So like it really, I don't, you know, I am, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a spoiled person. I'm a, a man of luxury. I like, I like a lot of high standards and it, it I can't get myself to drink water if it doesn't at least in some way taste really good. And ever since I started doing that, I was like, I was like, Clover was right. I can't drink my well water. Anymore. <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> but I have the pleasure of not crinkling this because I'm like, oh, there are some remnants of the nineties that remain, you know, in our declining, declining world. So there, there was actually a letter to the editor in one of the one of the issues of the paper this week uh, about how good Peterborough Town Water is and how we should not be serving bottled water at select board meetings because we have good water. I mean, Just, I guess I guess that's not the worst same. point, and uh, that's not the worst point in the world if. Like they need to have like some kind of really good 
water fountain like and like the modern kind that like fills water bottles in order to make this rule though you know mm-hmm. because right now i mean i i i go to meetings in that place and like you can get cups and use the like you know the jug water thing um yeah. but that's not town water and no, they like they could serve it in like a pitcher because the this oh this they could was like yes. they have a jug of like the Monadnock Mountain spring water okay and like that's disgraceful because our town water is so good. The letter writer has a point. Be like a really nice glass jug or you know something. Fancy. Yeah, I yeah I agree. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um. Yeah, I don't know if I would care enough about it to write about it, but um, I, I, I can't, I can't find it in my heart to disagree with the, <laughs> with the this letter writer. Me thirsty, and I'm out of my fine glass of our town's water. <laughs> oh, geez, um, it's too bad I can't give you some of this fine Coca-Cola produced water um, through the screen, but. Uh, this is why you have to come with like four drinks, um, like I usually do. <laughs> uh, some good advice for you, um, but um, always have four drinks. Yes, always, always have four drinks to cover all of your different categorical bases. Actually, I was laughing as I went down the stairs tonight because last time we recorded, I think I commented that I had five, um, and this time I, I did bring four, but two of them there was like a, an initial can of cider and a backup can and only one was open, you know? So it was really only three at a time today. Mm. Um, we were moderating a backup though. I'm getting moderate. Yeah. Oh yeah. You at least, you at least should have a backup. Definitely. Definitely. Always come prepared. Um, but yeah, anyway, so we've had, um, exciting times We're we're post election as, as everyone knows, um, we had a nice time doing coverage we did. of the election. Thrilling um, election day. It was a thrilling election day. They, um, you know, it was, um, it was, you know, I, I did make a note of this in our post sharing the election results. Um, but, um, Phil Runyon, who was reading off the results did make a comment that our, um, our turnout was higher than he remembered seeing it. Um, mm-hmm. Which is a is a is a pretty bold statement coming from that yeah. gentleman, I think, and um, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I heard I heard Kath Allen last night say that it was about a hundred more than what like the highest she had in her mind, and she's always she's okay. always there, you know. So yeah, like, like I, an extra hundred people voting. Yeah, yeah. I also think her her opinion is interesting too on that. What did what did she say? No, that she just like you know she's always there when they call oh, yeah. the vote. She's, oh, like, oh I see what you were saying. I, th- I thought you were saying like she gave like a take on this number oh, that no, like no, an no. analysis that was no yeah. her, her take just being that turnout was high and that yeah. she she felt like it was about a hundred more than what she had like remembered the number of and that had. is really interesting to me because because it's a midterm and it seems like turnout was higher than a presidential year which is just uh, just on the face of it that's unusual but also just knowing this town and the last two presidential election cycles who like had a certain polarizing figure um that many around here feel very strongly about 
in them, you know, I honestly would have thought the two Trump elections would have had a higher turnout than, than this year. Yeah. Um, I didn't really think that of, of our closely contested elections, like available to us in our congressional district. I didn't think that very many were interesting. Um, once George Hansel lost, there was never any suggestion that that Burns fellow was going to beat Ann Custer. It's like, that was never really in question. We get to vote on governor, but like, I mean, that was like a 15 point win for Sununu as I said it would be. And like no one even bothered to learn Sherman's name. You know what I mean? Like this dude texted me against my will for months and I know I was, I never really even, I was like, I don't care what you're running. <laughs> I, don't, I never even learned that it was for governor. I just like, and I also, for some reason, somehow some political list thinks I'm my sister. So I also get text messages for Maine races constantly oh, constantly you know so i didn't even really bother to learn if tom sherman was in new hampshire you know um yeah. i know he's a doctor though they made a point of emphasizing that all the time so good well, job I marketers out I there i noticed that he was a doctor after the election and i was like oh man like why have i not noticed his signs and then i started seeing like the doctor tom sure uh, i was like oh that's who that is but i never it. just never connected to it it's like know. you know I don't think that the Sherman campaign was a great campaign, but also no one was going to beat Sununu, you know? So I don't, I'm really, it's not a strong criticism. Mm -hmm. I want to be clear that like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know that it would have been wise to spend a lot of effort being super competent against Chris Sununu because he was going to beat you by 15 points. Even if you ran a great campaign, maybe it would have been 12 instead of 15, you know, but like, I don't know, a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort for three points. I don't know. Um, you know, the state Senate race, now that the Senate districts have been gerrymandered and we're in with Keene, um, that's not going to be a con real contested race for Peterborough anymore. That's going to be a democratic Senate seat. Um, now that we're in district 10. So that's not very interesting. Um, the Senate race, I guess the Senate race, but the Senate race didn't turn like, that's the thing is that like Maggie Hassan was always predicted to win, but there were, um, like many of the polls that were wrong across the country leading up yeah. to the election that predicted all this tightening between these, you know, Republican and th these safe democratic races where the Republicans were, were closing in and like, and this was true, not just in New Hampshire, but across the country, but they were almost all wrong. Like all of the numbers ended up being what they were like three weeks before the election, before any of that tightening happened. Like that was the real number. Um, so it might've seemed to people like it was really important to vote against the crazy general, but it turned out to be a very safe race for Maggie Hassan. Um, so, I do feel like we had sort of a historic outcome in terms of the election of Jonah Wheeler. Um, I don't know if he's our youngest representative. I don't know if he's our first non-white representative. I don't know any of those things, but it seems unique. I think it's probably safe to say that these things haven't happened very many times before, um, yeah. that a 19-year-old African-American was elected to represent Peterborough. Um, I, think that, I think that's very exciting. 
I, I'm only not including it in this thing because it was a foregone conclusion. We all knew that Jonah was going to win. As we said it on the air. It's like Baltimore. I'm, I'm very happy to say, again, I predicted it, but I'm very happy to say he was the number one vote getter in his race, in his race with two seats. Um, he came in number one overall. It's, it's extremely impressive. Like I said, it's historic. It um, should not in any way be minimized, um, but it wasn't contested, you know? And so it can, the turnout confuses me a little bit. I don't, I don't understand. I, was it a feeling? You know what I mean? Like, was it just a mood? Like, I think it might have been. I think it might have been. You know, yeah. the Roe versus Wade mood, you know? Yeah. I think that was a that was a really big deal for a lot of people. I guess so. Yeah. Crazy to me that it was bigger than Trump. Only because not because I think that Trump is a bigger deal, but because everyone else sure seemed to. Right. Um so interesting to me. I mean, yeah, I mean I voted, but I voted in all of the years. You know, right. like I'm not, I'm not a new turnout voter. Um, it's so, probably because everybody started out their Wordle game that morning with the word peace. And that just, is that what, is that, I didn't know that. It was, a, it was a little, it was a little meme. <sighs> went around. So obnoxious. <laughs> really changed the world this time though. So uh, God, yep. Kept, we kept the Republicans from destroying Everything. Um, I feel so much better about our declining civilization now that the Democrats can continue to manage the decline for the next two years. Um, Just as far as we know, I mean, it doesn't look like they're going to take the Senate. The Republicans are going to take the Senate and like maybe they take the House by a couple of seats. But like, wow, I mean, they fucked it up. Um, it's, it's surprising to me. It's kind of theirs to win. Yeah, and, uh, I, I I was a little surprised by the. the they overall. sure. Blew, I was very surprised. I was very surprised. They sure blew it. I think. I think when it comes to overall punditry with the twenty twenty two election, I, I think it's important not to draw any super strong conclusions because I don't think that there's any super strong messages. Like, yep, clearly, like the red wave thing wasn't much of a thing. Um, there's nothing in election poll data though, that, that says to me that like Democrats were super safe or that they have a super, like, it's like, hmm. even in the exit polls, like Biden's popularity is really low. Like no one really thinks that the Democrats are going to like do anything to like how it's, it's really like, it's in fact, it's confound. It's very strange. It's yeah. like all of, all of the numbers are really strange. I don't think that anybody really understands what people did this election. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like to me, that actually makes even more of a case for the like post Roe versus Wade mood though, because like, I guess, yeah, I suppose who, like, so. I mean, I've known so many, like especially older women who are single issue voters on that and like yeah, have sure. been lifelong single issue voters on yeah, that yeah. issue. Sure. I can I can see that matching up with like not having real like faith or confidence or you know in Democrats generally I don't or like yeah, yeah, I got you. yeah 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 I don't have faith in the Democrats at all but I'm here because of abortion yeah yeah I can see that I can see that I just don't 
I don't know. The yeah. Republicans here are just, they're alternately too either libertarian or oftentimes moderate. And like, I, like New Hampshire Republicanism is not that Christian. You know, right. like, I just don't worry that much about, like, actual, like, legal abortion bans in this state. Like, I don't think Chris Sununu would even sign that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I, I know there's a lot of people that would be like, you're being naive and you're playing with women's lives. But I just, I'm just telling you what I see out there. And, you know, I don't, I know that there's Republicans in New Hampshire who try to do this. I just don't think that the state is truly of that calm position right. where that sort of thing, even if it were to somehow happen, like be passed as a law that it would stick, you know, that it would, that it would last. Um, there definitely would never be like some kind of constitutional amendment about it. Like there's no chance of that. Like, I don't know. I don't, I just, we're also a small state that is very close to the borders of several other states that, that are definitely going to have abortion. I don't know. I'm not telling anybody not to vote on this issue. I'm just saying like, I don't think we were ever really threatened in that regard. Yeah. Um, but, well, I, but you're right. I'm not saying that that's not why people voted for it. I'm sure they did. I just don't quite comprehend it because I don't, it wasn't going to happen here, you know? Right. I don't, I don't personally feel it here either. I know. And, yeah. You know, I, there's a lot of Democrats in New Hampshire that are like really terrified of free staters, you know, but that is yeah, one, that know. is one common ground area, you know, that, that they should maybe like. Totally agree. Freestaters never want to ban abortion because they don't want to ban things. Right. You know, which is why I like them, which is why I'm not scared of them, because like not banning things is important to me, actually. You know, um, whatever people want to accuse me of being politically, I, I've just never and I've been many things politically, but n in almost none of them have I truly been a big fan of like bands of things, mm -hmm. regardless of what they are. And and as <laughs> as some of you who have been to town forums um candidate forums know i even though i actually i'm not going to say who but i actually didn't even come up with the idea for this question but i have always been a very 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 stringent believer in bodily autonomy in all of its forms you know not not just on the things that i like like i think that people truly should have the freedom to do to reject whatever about it that goes in their body and also to accept whatever they want to go into their body. Um, it's that is really basic freedom to me in a lot of ways. You know, it's, it's like as basic and I don't want to get into this whole thing, but it's as basic as the freedom to go places, you know, which a lot mm -hmm. of people during a certain period of time really tried to claim was not a component of freedom, which is really strange to me, you know? Um, but freedom of like, I can go where I want, like when I want and like freedom of like my body, like people can't really tell me one way or another what to do with my body. Um, I think these are important values. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like those are really like, that's related to be able it's to related. Like move yeah. your body through space, you know, and, and accept what goes in and out of it. That's all it, it's, I don't know. If you don't have those two things, even if you have a whole bunch of other freedoms, you're definitely not free. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
I would go so far as to say that even if you had, you know, if we want to talk about, say, like Roosevelt's four freedoms that like never really got, you know, their life put into them. But let's say even if you had your freedom from want met, right? If mm -hmm. you also don't have the ability to go where you want and you also don't have the mastery of your own body. Like in other words, like if you are fed, clothed and taken care of health wise and provided with an income and all this stuff and you can't always go where you want and you can't make choices about your own self, then you're in, you're in very prison. unfree. You're literally in that's that's what's being a prisoner is that's prison. Yes. It's, it may be comfortable, but that is prison. Yes. I don't know. But, but the free staters are the enemy and we, you know, what's funny that they did and they lost. It's a kind of amazing, but there were two races where, um, and I think this is what Kate Kuhn tipped us off to after the primary, but we didn't have time to look into it, but a couple of free staters in a couple of random races in Peterborough got themselves on the ballot as Democrats and libertarians, right? Um, but enough people, even without our coverage of it, enough people word of mouth wise must have known about this because, you know, most of the, I mean, and like we publish the numbers, they're on the Facebook page and everything. Like they're very easy to see. Like most races are very relatively consistent in the um, makeup of Republican versus Democrat and like all this stuff, right? So having a Democrat line and a libertarian line, like, if people weren't alerted to this, they should have won easily, right? Mm -hmm. And hilariously, I think that those are the only two Republicans elected in Peterborough where the Republican line items on the races where the free staters tried to grab Democrat and Libertarian, they even took with the two votes together in both cases, they failed to beat the Republican total, which is wild. It's wild. It is really funny. It's funny that like... <sighs> They're that scared of libertarians, right? Oh, that, like, totally. totally. That, that some of them definitely the, pulled the lever for that Republican right. just to beat the free state. And they like banded together to talk about it, you know, like uh -huh. to tell each other about it. It's funny. And this is because we can't talk about ideas and values. You know, and we just have to talk about like who's going to win and like the forces of supposedly good and evil and all of this stuff, which I don't find a helpful way to talk about politics. Um, <laughs> it, people sometimes will be like, after we, we did a couple forums, they'll be like, man, you guys write really good questions, right? But like, <laughs> The only reason that they're good questions is because we don't ask them within this framework of like good and evil and like these like little like this versus this, this versus this. We talk about ideas and we make the candidates give opinions on concepts that, that are the basis of political decisions that you make, not how will you vote on this or like where do you stand on like the hot issue of the week. No, it's like, I think we find a lot more out about the people who might represent us. If we ask them what they fundamentally think in their heads about anything, anything broad, like anything basic, anything universal, you know? Um, no, a lot of people don't want to do that, but when they see it, they like it. Mm. We'll do more. We'll have more of that. 
Because that's that's how you get more civic life is if you get people invested in ideas and having like, and even if they, some, that's, I mean, I know this, <laughs> one of the reasons that people don't like doing this idea thing is because part of it is accepting that when we go down this path, some people are going to have the wrong ones mm. and that we have to like live with them. And like, we have to like admit them into the conversation and that we have to defend our own ground against even the people who have the obviously wrong position. And that's become very out of fashion. Not for people like Jonah Wheeler, I don't think, which is why I was so enthusiastic about voting for him yeah. is because he's not afraid of that at all. Um, yeah. And I have tremendous respect for that. And it's rare, but I hope it's a thing that we can. Cultivating. Keep cultivating. I really do. Um, speaking of cultivation or its opposite, um, I did on election night because we were hanging out in the community center and it, for a long time waiting for the counting. Um, God bless the the poll workers, you know, no, no disrespect waiting a long time though. And I decided to get people riled up a little bit about the community center itself and how we should bulldoze the thing. We, not literally, we should get the right disposal company to come in and take care of whatever, you, you know, you, you look at that building and it's like, I bet you asbestos isn't even the worst thing in here. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we did notice like what the some hell very else? interesting ceiling growth, which there may was. have been tar, may have been black mold. Hard to say. Like a black mold, like stalactite, like coming down. Um, like a cave. I don't know. So, but I did want to take the opportunity and clarify my position on this because some people just think it's crazy and that I just hate activities because activities can only exist at this, in this former national guard army. Do you have, you, you mentioned something about the history of how we got yes. this building. I think that's helpful. I know a lot of people who are um, especially older and long-term Peterborough residents know this already, but a lot of people didn't grow up here and don't know this. Um, and I think it's interesting and helpful to understand. Okay. So the timeline that I have, so this, the armory that is now the community center was built in 1949 and then closed in 2005, along with a couple of other armories in the, in the area. Um, so I guess it sat there empty for five years and then the town acquired it. There was a town meeting vote in 2009 that stipulated that it would not be supported by tax dollars. Mm. That it would be given to the recreation department, but the recreation department can't use, can't ask for any kind of like town money tax money to support it so like it now and in the future like forever yeah forever so they can that's a good i mean I, so i don't mean to interrupt but i i i appreciate the past town residents for making a vote now like putting those stipulations on it like that's pretty responsible right is to say all right we'll take over this old as fuck national guard bunker and but 
we're not committing to spending public money on keeping it, fixing it, whatever we need to do. It. All right, please go on. But that's important. And that was very smart and I'm sure deliberate and conscious on the part of the people who did it. Mm. So it can it can be um, supported with like revolving fund money. So like money that you pay when you do a, a program through the rec. Of course, sure. And that's you know, fair. That's go to that. No objections to me. From and me that is that. where the bulk of the money to support it comes from right now. Um, there's also a little bit of money that comes. So, there, so that, it, that includes like rentals, you know, people who are renting the building and it, there's like a long-term permanent, semi-permanent rental of like a conference room in mm-hmm. that building. And then the food pantry also like has a certain percentage of the space, which they pay for in the, and their rent for that, the rent for that can go to fixing it. So like over the years, um, 2010 to 2018, there have been upgrades and repairs made using that money. Um, But it's like really deteriorating. It's more than, than that money can pay for. And and what I think a lot of people, regardless of how long you've lived in the town, know is that um, there has already been a evaluation done on this, correct? That is the next step in the timeline. That's right. So um, the rec, the rec department, pushed for like a, an assessment of like the building to figure out what can we even do here? What is, what is, what's urgent? What can we wait on? What do we need to do to keep this building in shape? And so that report was completed and presented in June of this year. Um, This is like a public document. Our, our tax, did our tax dollars fund the report? I don't know. I I should know the answer to that question. Interesting. Possibly. I, I, that, that's possible because I don't, I don't think that that vote from the words of it sounds like it would prohibit the town doing a study on the building. Just, yeah. you know, um, who knows? Point, as point a town is, property, we, we've paid for it and sure. whatever, whatever the case is. So it's a, it's a long report. It's interesting. It goes through every, you know, everything from roof windows, electrical system, HVAC, what, you know, all the parts of this building and like what condition that they're in. And it ranks them. Um, good, fair, poor quality. And then it goes into detail about like why and what would need to be fixed in it. Um, and so right now, everything that is listed as in poor condition, which means it really, sh- you know, if we're going to use this building, if we're going to keep this building, we don't want to like let it just rot there, right? If we're, if we got to make a decision, um, it adds up to $1.3 million worth of work. The roof being a huge part of it. The windows being another huge part of it. Um, it's not fire. It's not fire safe. It needs sprinklers. There, There's an HVAC problem. There's asbestos. There's electrical stuff. That's just for the stuff that's r- ranked poor. Not, I mean, fair doesn't even sound like that awesome of a ranking either, to be honest. It but, doesn't. But that's um, what's poor. Yeah. That's what's poor. Yeah, that's like the minimum, the yeah. bare minimum. Yep. So, I I mean, I find this, all this facts fairly helpful because it sort of makes my point for me, <laughs> if you've been following along. <laughs> I, I, I almost don't have to add very much to that because we have a situation where regardless of what 
because people will be like, you don't know how many things are going on in there. And all right, okay. Regardless of how many things are going on in there, eventually, if not already, we're going to find ourselves as being a fairly well-off town that is forcing all of our activities into a completely like unsafe and, and run down and in a, inadequate facility. And by the decree of ourselves, by the will of the town, we cannot appropriate taxes for this. Which means that like some like a grand library style effort, maybe not as much, but a, a, a grand library style effort will have to be undertaken to raise from donors the money um, at least one point three. And so I mean, what, what I what I hear when I hear that though, really, you know, is that like we would need one point three million for all of these poor things. Is that like? at minimum, we're probably talking like 2 million bucks, right? So, like there's going to be a million things that get rounded up and like increased construction costs and like this and that and this and that, right? 2 million, two and a half million um, is what we'd be talking about. And and then we still have that building for all I that. know, that ugly ass building, which all due respect, and this has nothing to do with my feelings about bees that some people have a real problem with, but like, the, the bee mural is pretty. I'm not trying to disrespect the goddamn bee mural. Okay. But it doesn't make this brick shit house into it's lipstick on a pig. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not, it doesn't help. Um, no offense to the people who love it, but, and who did it, but it doesn't make it a great building. So you're right. So best case scenario, we raise this money and we still have this, you know, kind of ugly ass crappy building that Which- is just adequate now. Which is, right, which is adequate in terms of, like, the building envelope safety and, like, functionality, right? But it isn't even adequate for what REC would want it for. Like, that's the other thing is, like, you can, even if you think that, even even if all the programs that are there, like, I don't know, maybe they can go somewhere else. But if they can't, it's still not the right building for any let's for say, like it's, most of their the things that go on there want. yeah it's like it's got a gym or it is a gym basically with a couple of other rooms but that's not if if i think if rec were to just design a community center that would meet their needs like as a self-contained building and then and we can talk about whether that is something we need or not but that wouldn't even be it like that yeah. that wouldn't be it yeah right yeah i i totally agree so it's like I don't I don't think people are in the mood to give that kind of money and I just kind of want to say that like if there's people who are looking to undertake this effort to raise all of this money like it's it that's a just an absolutely gigantic effort that I think is a waste of time and and it, like cuz I don't think you can get the money and and honestly the only way that I would change my tune and I I say this because this is what happened in Townsend, right? Which is not really technically as rich of a town as Peterborough is, right? But when we needed a new library a decade and change ago, you know, the wealthy man who actually doesn't live in Townsend, but he he owns a a very, very prosperous plastics factory that's been in Townsend forever. If you if you've ever owned a plastic bin that isn't made by Rubbermaid, you've probably owned a plastic bin that came from Townsend. And because it's sterilite instead of Rubbermaid. 
And Starlight Man, whose name escapes me, who lives in Groton, was just like, came out of nowhere and was like, no one knows how much this costs either, but people think it's like, could be like 20 million bucks altogether because he built, he, he built a brand new library, gorgeous library, just like ours. Our, our library is gorgeous too, um, but gorgeous brick library from scratch um, with just like a grant, like it's built around this like a frame in the center with just like glass on both ends and like this peaked roof. It's wonderful. Right. And, and part of it is a senior center as well, um, which we don't even have here. Right. And, um, it was on the grounds of the town's highway department. So he built the town, a new highway department too, um, which we also need. Right. So like, this is like the hilarious thing is that like, so Sorry, guys. I don't mean to shame anybody. I'm not going to throw any billionaires' names out there. There's a couple that I could, right? Um, but the there's there's a whole number of people in Peterborough who are richer than the Sterilite man, who gave like basically like 25 million to the town, but would not disclose the amount. Did not want his name on anything. That's why I can't remember his name because it's not anywhere. You can't find it. Uh, Stone, I think, was his last name, but like it's not on anything. Um, and did this just like out of nowhere, out of the goodness of his heart, right? That would solve our fire department problems that would have solved our library problem back in the day. Like just like one dude, this is, this is, I mean, I, I do want people to understand wealth in this regard, right? Because there's like at least a dozen, probably two dozen, maybe even more than that people within the boundaries of this town who could by themselves throw down this kind of money. And I saw it happen again, just down the road in my hometown, right? Solve the fire department problem, solve the rec center problem, all of these things, right? Whatever. Even if we weren't to go that far, if some benefactor wants to come forward and throw down like 3 million bucks, boom, keep that building and rehab it, right? I'll just shut up because it's that, why fight that, right? Yes, it's an ugly building and that's fine. But like he just threw down the money and we can deal with the, maybe we can accommodate the, maybe we can do some, I don't know. You know, the ugliness to me then becomes not not enough of a reason, not compelling enough to knock it down on its own, right? I want beautiful Mm -hmm. things, but like if it's all paid for with this private money by someone who really, truly loves that armory, then I say we let them have it and let them have their will for at least another 20 years or so until we need money again. Right. I think that's fair. That's the only circumstance in which I think that this makes sense is not, not if we do a community wide effort with like fundraising events and like people chipping in here and there. No, 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 no. The big, big fish. And there's a lot of big fish hidden in these fucking Hills. Right. If they want to throw down and make this a reality, then let's do it. Otherwise, fuck that. Because almost everything that we do in that building can be accommodated elsewhere. And I know people don't want to hear this, right? But like most towns don't have community centers. And people are like, oh my God, what do they do? And I'm telling you, a lot of these towns have programming like we have here. And you know what they do? They utilize these massive buildings which often have massive grounds, including fields and shit, right? That are owned by the town um, and the public thus, right? Um, And that's called the schools. And I know for some reason, people think this is appalling around here that you do that. 
Everybody does this. Like fucking everybody. Everybody does this. This is how they have events. You know, and people are like, well, you know, certain things can't be done during the day because the kids are there. And that's true. You know, that is a fair point, I guess. It's a thing that you have to shift around. But not 100% of the things have to be accommodated by the schools. You know, things like office spaces and things like that, like, there's probably other alternatives. We can be, I feel like we have a lot of creative people, both in the town government and in the town in general, even on the rec committee, um, who might be able to think of alternative, even if just as an intellectual exercise, right? When you're listing out all of the things that are happening at the community center, just imagine in a crazy world where we don't have this community center, mm-hmm. What could you conceive as an alternative solution for this program? And I'm telling you, like 97% of that list can be accommodated somehow with something existing that we already have. And people often say, Conval doesn't want this. And I'm not trying to be an asshole and saying, I don't care. And neither should you. You should not care what Conval wants for this. You should care what's in the public interest. And if Conval is just like, we don't want you there because it's a pain in the ass, we shouldn't care. That's, that's, that this is, it's not that we don't care. We should empathize. You know, we can have compassion for them, but we should do what we, what is right anyways. You know, that's what, um, you know, that's what you have to do, say, on the zoning board, for example, right? You have to listen to, the the wishes of a butters because they have that right you know but at the end of the day a butters never want that change you know so mm-hmm. like yeah if you ask the school like do you want to deal with this like yeah they're gonna say no of course they're gonna say no you know like you can't you can only take that seriously to a point though you know because you have to ask yourself would they say no to just about anything that i ask and if the answer is yes which it is then you have to say okay well then it isn't worth that much, you know? And people will say, well, the town can't dictate to Conval and all this stuff. Like, well, I bet you there's ways. I bet you there's ways. And like I said, I think we have a lot of creative people. I don't want it to fall to me to have to do it. You know what I mean? But like, I can... If anybody wants to ask me how I think we could do it, we could definitely sit down because I think that there's ways or they could just cooperate, you know? I mean, I mean, it is, it does really irk me to think about having to go raise all this money, you know, to rehab this, this inadequate falling down building that isn't even what we really need. Right. And to pay so much in taxes to the school, you know, and I don't, I'm not really like a, like a tax complainer per se, but it's and just neither like, am I. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think we these, have a good record on this. These yeah. are, these are like gyms and facilities that I do pay for already. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I think that's worth thinking about. I think everyone should think about that because we have these hassles in these fights about things like school budget and the budget of the town. And we all know anybody who's paying attention to these numbers that the vast, 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 vast majority of our money that we pay in property taxes that nobody likes um, is going to the schools. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. You know what I mean? That's 
Right. That, that probably makes sense. But given that, right? So ask yourself this. Ask yourselves, right? Regardless of your prior opinions about either Conval or the community center or anything else, right? How do you feel about the entity that gets the vast majority of your property taxes telling you when you come to them asking for a little bit of a favor that they don't want to help you out because it's not convenient? Would you tolerate that from Nicole? Would you tolerate that from Seth? Would you tolerate that from the people at the townhouse? Would you tolerate that from the select board? I don't think so. I've seen it. People don't tolerate that, right? But when the school is like, yeah, fuck off, people are just like, well, it's Conval, you know? It's like this is, if anybody out there has seen Blood Diamond, it's like when they're always like, yeah, this is Africa, you know what I mean? Like, or in Chinatown, when it's like, Come on, Jake. It's Chinatown. You know what I mean? Like, that's how people act with Conval. They're like, yeah, it's Conval. Like, it's this like immutable primal force that like you just can't redeem or deal with or reform or you just have to accept it as the beast that it is. And I don't agree with that. <laughs> you know, I, just, I, I think that's ridiculous. I'm not anti school, but I, that's absurd. And nobody should, that's a, that's the wrong attitude to have about your school system mm-hmm. like you know and these like i said these are things that can be done with like to no danger to children to no, you know to like you know what i'm saying like i'm telling you i grew up in a really nice town where people had really high standards and expectations or things and like basketball programs happened at schools you know um Baseball programs had a, ha- happened at a combination of town fields and school fields. Um, you know, uh, voting largely happened at schools and the town hall. You know, um, offices for for things like including things like food pantries and things were were found and squeezed into like town properties and like town hall and things like that. When it comes to the food pantry, I don't want to leave the. I'm not saying that we should just not have a plan for the food pantry and knock down the community center and say, good luck, poors. You know, like, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying I think we can figure something out. And especially as we're, like, planning a new municipal campus, like, I don't believe that the community kitchen requires, like, 50,000 square feet, right? So as we're drawing up plans for these things, you know, I'm sure I think a space could be found. Or something that could be potentially moving from the, the, you know, something could move from the townhouse to the the new municipal campus and an office could free up where they could use a space there. Or perhaps we won't convert the old firehouse into condos immediately. And they could, you know, when the fire department moves out of there, they could move into there, you know, Um, again, not another great facility, but it's, I don't, the fire station and the, the community center are not that far off in terms of their um, inadequacy. And so if we're saying that the community kitchen deserves the inadequate community food center, pantry. Food pantry. the food pantry, sorry, the, the food pantry, um, then I don't think that the fire station is worse. You know, the, And these are just ideas. I'm not even saying stick them in the bad fire station, yeah. but I'm saying off the top of my head, I just named like four possible solutions for what could happen to the yeah. food pantry. 
And this is the kind of thinking that I think we should be doing rather than just saying, let's raise the millions of dollars. I completely agree. I completely agree. This is, this is, um, this is my hope for the next conversation that the rec committee will have. You should come to the meeting. You should come. Maybe I will. I've never been to a rec committee meeting. Maybe I will come and sit in. I don't want to like, <laughs> I feel like I'll walk in there and like three people on the board will just be like, like, on, like, just like tense up, you know? And like, I swear to God, I'm not going to come in filming anything or like, I, I won't even say anything probably, you know, like I've not, um, I don't know. I just feel <laughs> there's probably a few people in there that were like, Oh my God, De Loretto's here. What the fuck is he going to do? And the answer is probably nothing at all just for the record. I would love to come and sit in and just, watch the proceedings sometime maybe no, make think, a no comment. i mean i think that you should come with some of these ideas because i'm welcome like to make a comment i know i don't want to be that you know what i'm not trying to make a scene is what i'm saying though no, you know I know, I mean? but i think that your ideas about this kind of stuff would be valuable and i do Agreed. think it's the next step like we I don't mind. is this something that will be discussed like in the next month's meeting i i really hope so that's my yeah. i mean and we've I gotten a list up. of stuff that like that the that the community center is used for, and now I really think that is the next step is to like just have a brainstorm. I mean, I don't know how much how much control I have over like setting that as part of the agenda, but that's my wish. That's what I think needs sure. to. Ha- it's definitely something that I I am not going to be on board with any raising money plan without that step happening i'll tell you of that. course yeah right yeah. exactly and like i do feel like i'm being reasonable here in the sense that like i'm not taking this hard line even where i'm saying like i could never envision a scenario where i think that we should keep this building but like i i do set the bar at get a donation from like one or two billionaires who th- who agree with you you know and i know that that's unpalatable to people because they don't want to accept the fact that like the disparity between rich and poor means that like it really is way more practical to just have some sort of like little small oligarch be a patron of the town than to actually have the town come together as a community equally chipping in in small amounts you know what i mean like this is a better solution that is not handled at the grassroots level you know so if you have any connections and you have anybody that you can hit up that's got that kind of deep pocket who really loves your idea. And if you don't, then I don't think that your idea is good enough. I, See, I just I don't even I just You do want to knock it down no matter what. Bar, I don't want to set the bar that low. Like I just it's not even the building that we need. Like if we need a building, if we need a building, that's not the one. And like, so why are we setting the bar? so low like why not ask the billionaire for like a new community center that meets our needs that's a better idea i agree that that's a better idea i'm just saying the threshold at which i walk away and stop opposing it is is probably that is it, mm-hmm. that's all i know i'm i know i'm showing my cards ahead of time yes i would prefer if you're going to hit up the billionaire yeah hit them up for five million dollars you know it's not that much for them they can do that um you know um I'll call Elon. 
Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like he's been busy lately. <laughs> we've got a couple of mini Elons here though. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like this this is doable if any, you know, if any of them could be convinced to care that much that we need a community center, even given that we have other facilities that could potentially be used for these things. I bet you most of those billionaires will agree with me though. And they'll say, no, you already have all this other shit. <laughs> why, why do you need this community center? You know? Um that's my strong you, suspicion, you especially to say though that in Townsend you got a senior center, and a big chunk of what that community center is used for is like a de facto senior center, just a not a. I know, but the one in Townsend is like round and made of brick and has a fireplace in it and like a couple of nice conference yeah, yes. rooms. It's not, so, you know, why are we throwing our senior centers to like the exposed pipes and gym floor? I agree, but I think we can ask a billionaire for like a nice round. Yeah, you're right. Senior center. Yeah, you're right. That is, we are setting the bar too low with this. Like, yeah. let's the, like the community raise a million bucks and like throw some patches on the roof. Like, you know, like that's crappy. It just makes me sad. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. We deserve better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a pretty good place I think to end the show. And I think that we've done a pretty good job explaining this position, even to people who might think it's insane. We're not trying to take anything away from like your kids or your elderly mom or any, we're not trying to take anything away from anybody. I really think that most of these things can be accommodated and we have parks. We have, you know, like there's there, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to sit down with everybody and hear ideas. Yeah. Cause I think some interesting stuff can come out of it. Like, I just can't be the only one that's like a little bit of alternative solutioning here can, can go a long way. Uh, you know, I don't know, but yeah, I think that's a good place to end it. End our show. We've got a lot of exciting things coming up though, that you should know about. Um, next week we, um, the plan at this time is to record the Jared Radke Thanksgiving special. Um, one of our longtime Monadnock underground writers. And um, again, um, not to, um, we're not intending to always have this theme, right? But um, I mean, this even came up with Michael Del Orto, but Jared is now, he was a, he was a Pennsylvania guy. He's now a New Jersey guy. He's an Atlantic city man. Um, so another New Jersey friend of ours, um, who again, we liked him when he was in Pennsylvania too. This is, it's not just cause he moved to New Jersey, but he's a very colorful character has a lot to say. We're excited to have him on, um, for the episode that will come out Thanksgiving week. So that's really cool. Monadnock underground fall season is well underway. We're in week, are we, in, are we finished? Well, by the time this comes out, what is it? Week three? We'll be in week three. Yeah. We'll be in week three. It's a very nice season. If you don't know, Monadnock underground is our, is our other side of our business here where we focus on creativity and creative writing. And twice a year in the spring and the fall, we do what we call a season, which means that um, we had about a month, month and a half uh, window of open submissions where we accept things irrespective of like the topic or even the format. Like we take poems, we take short stories, we take long stories at times. Um, sometimes we run them as serials. Sometimes we run them just as a, as a long read. Um, essays, personal narratives, um, anything that you can think of. We don't accept everything. No, we are selective, but um, it's an open format. There's no length limits, all this stuff. And then we take what we have been able to curate from our selections 
and we released them over about approximately an eight-week period of time. Um, so we got a lot of submissions this time around. We accepted a lot of them this time around. So we're going to have three to four pieces a week, every single week through the end of the year. Like it's going to be the winter by the time our fall season concludes, um, which I'm happy. I'm really happy about this is, this is a great season and, um, you should check it out. Uh, we will, we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, and we, we do always, um, kind of give the highlights in our, uh, twice weekly go monadnock emails. In fact, it's good to mention that if you're not on that email list for Goman Adnock, that's where you find out like everything that's going on. You find out not just about these episodes, but like all of the musical events, theatrical things, um, all the many, you know, astrological things. What did we have this week? There's some crazy stuff. There's graveyard art. I think that's in the past. I mean, all of what we're talking about is in the past by the time I say this, yeah. but you know, uh, sign up for that. We'll put that link in the notes as well um, because Tuesdays and Fridays, we tell you, generally what's up and it's um it's a really good time um but we also um as a holiday season fundraiser this is a little bit of secret news making we're doing we're not going to announce this for another couple of weeks but we're going to make some um rather clever t-shirts that are based around um some things that um local people will recognize and and hopefully find amusing um and sell them to you um, as it, they can be perfect Christmas gifts. So around Thanksgiving time, we'll probably um, drop that out there. We will also have a holiday guide um, that, that tells you, as we did last year, everything that's going on throughout the season. So a lot of exciting stuff between now and the end of the year, honestly. Um, and it's it's going to come fast. Yeah. Um, what a year it's been um, <laughs> for all of us. Um Mad respect. I haven't used that phrase in a while to our sound Lord, Chad Patterson and, and great thanks for his production efforts to make this episode sound great, both on the audio and video side. Chad runs a small operation, a boutique operation called studio one one seven, which you can find at studio one one seven.com. Uh, they can take care of anything that you need when it comes to sound. They can, they can edit sound files like he does for us in terms of the production, but he can also set it up for you. He can consult for you in terms of what you need. He can, um, anything that you need, mixing, production, recording, whatever it is, Chad can do it for you. He's been trained. He's got a lot of experience. He's excellent. The fact that he is willing to work with us makes him a saint. Um, he's also a member of a band. It's the premier dad rock band. It is just, I mean, God, this band is only like a year old. It's definitely actually less than that. It's definitely less old than this podcast. So this, this band probably formed like late winter last year. Right. Um, and they have just taken off. They're playing all over New Hampshire and Massachusetts. They might've even booked a main gig by now. Um, but they play all the covers from the the sixties to the two thousands when there's no point going beyond that, as we all know. They also, in fact, they're the inspiration for what I just said about holiday t-shirts. They just launched a merch page for themselves. And I did last week, and I will again this week put that in the show notes as well. Very affordable. Um, very affordable shirts. I, in fact, I ordered myself a long sleeve down by 10 T, uh, which will be, um, hopefully maybe we'll feature that in an upcoming episode as well. I'll be happy to represent our good, our good friends and um, sound partner, Chad Patterson. Um, so check him out in, in many different ways. As we said at the night market, um, 
he's out there to be judged and he always passes scrutiny. Um, so thank you, Chad. Uh, yeah, everybody, it's been a pleasure out in the space lounge. Come join us next week while you're preparing your turkeys and like, you're like scooping the cranberry sauce out of the can or whatever. Um, Jared Radke is full of, um, fire and surprise. So you don't want to miss that episode. We will see you then until we come back together in this, you know, moving cocktail tiki lounge through space. Remember to always take good advice. We'll see you again. Yeah.